Welcome back to North of Shy, the Baird and Warner North Shore podcast. I am one of your hosts for the day. My name is Eric Schwinger, and I'm sitting here with Ian Robinson. Hello. Bob Kohler. Hi, everybody. Dean, a listener. Hello. And Catherine Leonard. Hi, everyone. We're here today welcoming a very special guest, the VP of Residential Sales at Baird and Warner, uh, Tripti Castle. How are you doing, Tripti? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. Great to have you here. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you. So um, why don't we just dive right in? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in real estate? And our topic today is going to be really revolving around the luxury market, what's going on there um, and luxury real estate. So kind of weave some of that into you know how you uh, ended up sitting here with us today. Sure, I'd be happy to. So I've been in the real estate business for over 25 years. I don't think after 25, you really have to say how many years because <laughs> um, I've got the credibility, but over 25 years. And I've done a lot of, I, I sold, I've sold a lot of different kinds of things. I sold commercial. I sold a lot of new construction when I switched over to residential. And that's probably what got me started in doing some more luxury real estate. I also live in Lincoln Park. My kids go to Lincoln Park and um, I've lived there for almost 30 years and Lincoln Park has changed over the last 30 years. When I started selling real estate, it wasn't necessarily a luxury market, but it's become one. And as I was selling, I sort of tracked my market and, you know, my clients ended up becoming the clients that lived in the neighborhood and the market became a little more luxury. So that's sort of how I got a little more into the luxury space. More recently, I've been in management now for probably about 10, 12 years. Um, I love what I do. I love everything about real estate. And I realized I really wanted to take that passion to a different level and to help even more people than I was doing when I was, um, was when I was selling real estate. So by mentoring people and helping people, I felt that that was something that I could I could expand my reach, so to speak. And then um, of the last few years, I've uh, been senior vice president and regional manager up here in Warner. So I oversee 14 of our 28 offices, but I am lucky to oversee the North Shore offices, which is what you all are part of. And I love because it's such a great market and, you know, we just do such a good job of, of serving the people here. So um, I love this market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a really relevant conversation for all of us here, the, the hosts of this podcast, because we all work in the North Shore and there's so much luxury real estate uh, on the North Shore. So it's something that we all have a lot of experience with. And um, we always appreciate the support we get from you in terms of, um, you know, helping us as a company position ourselves as a, a luxury brand. Um, Bob, what do you have for us? Yeah. So great to see you, Trifty, as always. Um, we wanted to begin our discussion about what's happened in the past three years um, in luxury real estate, because it's been amazing and quite remarkable. Um, as you know, the luxury market in Chicagoland has experienced a huge increase in activity over the past three years during the pandemic. Um, and just, I'm going to go over some numbers and just so the audience knows we're talking about year to date, uh, data for 2020, 2021 and 2022. Um, so some of the numbers are the number of closed sales between a million and 2 million has increased 70%. Number of closed sales above 2 million has increased a whopping 121%. Number of closed sales above 3 million has increased 145%. The number of closed sales above 4 million increased 165%. And closed sales above 5 million increased 200%. Um, that is a huge, huge increase. Um, and obviously, these numbers are all taken from, from Embraer MLS. Um, what do you think are some of the drivers of this increased activity in the price points? 
Well, you know, I think it's sort of a perfect storm of things that have happened over the last few years. I know, you know, it's sort of an old story now to talk about during the pandemic, how people's homes became so much more important to their lives. You know, suddenly people started looking inward more than they were looking outward. So that became important. We know that that happened at all price points. But I think specifically in a luxury price point, people started looking at their home as a, as a way to to. I don't want to say, well, it's an investment, but it's more than an investment. They started saying, you know, people who had the ability to buy a luxury home or to upgrade to a luxury home said, do I want this money in somewhere else in the stock market? Even though the markets were doing great, they they felt like they weren't, in a sense, using that money. And so I think it became, wait a minute, I've got this money. I've got I've got the ability. Why don't I just enjoy it? And enjoying became having a better home, having a better lifestyle within your home. And I think also combined with the economy and the low interest rates and everything that led up to pre-pandemic, you know, the Midwest market, we're lucky that we don't have these crazy ups and downs that the East and West Coast do. And we really had not recovered from the recession. You know, it took, took us 10 years to recover from the recession. And that's right around the time the pandemic happened. You know, I'm at, I'm at an age where a lot of my friends are, quote unquote, downsizing. That's what we used to call it. Um, most of my friends who quote unquote downsized in the last couple of years actually bought a bigger, better home. And that was not something that it normally was thought about doing um, at, at an age when your kids were gone and they've left the house. So I think it was it was that feeling of, wow, OK, life is short. And I think that's another thing we all learned from the pandemic. Things can change. And people said, hey, I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy what I can in my home, what I can afford to enjoy within my home. Thank you, Tripti. So do you think that this higher level of activity is here to stay or do you think we'll return to a more air quotes normal pre-pandemic level of activity now that life is getting back to, again, in quotes, normal? Yeah, well, that's a really good question, Dina. Um, I think another thing we learned in the last few years is we can't predict anything. Mm -hmm. Um, We couldn't predict what happened in 20. We didn't predict what happened in 2021. And we have not. And by we, I mean, collectively, um, the world really has, didn't predict, the world of real estate didn't predict what was going to happen um, this year either. But if I had to throw out my guesses, which is what they really would be, is that I don't think we are going back to, I don't think when we talk about normalized market and luxury, I don't think we're going back to the levels that we saw before the pandemic. I don't think we're going to continue to see these kind of numbers, these kind of increases. I think we'll, we'll go down a little bit, but I don't think it's going, I think it's going to remain stronger than we, than we had pre 2020. So houses in your opinion will not priced appropriately. Of course, houses will not be sitting on the market. Luxury houses will not be sitting on the market again for years as they did prior to the pandemic. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's a, Interesting question because, you know, the stats that that Bob just went over, he was talking about properties um, from a million to five million and up. And that is a big range. And I think the the higher end of that five million and up, maybe even four million and up, those properties will go back to, quote unquote, sitting on the market for a long time. I think I think it's just they're so unique and people who want to buy properties at the price point are very, want something very specific. And generally there is no time crunch to buying or selling. So I think those long market times are normal. And I think we'll go back to that a little bit. Um, But I think, I think the lower 
end of the luxury market. I think we're going to continue to have shorter market times than we had in the past pre-pandemic. But I don't think um, I don't think we're not going to see what we saw during the pandemic, which is days on the market and multiple offers. But I think it will be short, shorter market time. Thank you. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, Chicagoland is a huge place and I don't necessarily know what's going on in, you know, other luxury markets outside of the North Shore, like in Hinsdale or some of the Western suburbs. But I can speak to what I've seen on the North Shore specifically. And I have a really good anecdotal story about this um, with an agent in our office in Winnetka. Uh, she had a family home that um, her, her parents passed away within the last couple of years the family got together and figured out what they were going to do with the property and they decided to sell it. And uh, this is a big lakefront estate, a big piece of property, but the home itself was, you know, pretty much a tear down, just unlivable, really um, needed to be torn down. Uh, she put the property on the market for 14, 16 million dollars. And within 30 days, she had it under contract. It didn't close for 16. They, they negotiated down a little bit. Um, but, you know, the fact that she was able to sell a property, the property ended up selling for almost $13 million in less than 30 days as mm -hmm. a teardown mm -hmm. um, is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. It just shows, I think, that there is this appetite for, you know, for this type of property out there. Um, and, you know, historically speaking, I think the conventional wisdom was that, you know, this was going to sit on the market for a while and they'd have to do price reductions and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it just, I think, shows the strength of the luxury sector that, you know, this thing went under contract in 30 days. And um, and then, and that's only one example, right? There's many examples like that on the North Shore of properties being listed and, and going under contract really quickly. So um, I don't know where necessarily the money is coming from. Do we think this is like local money? Are there out-of-town investors? What are you guys' thoughts on any of that kind of stuff? Well, I think what Tripti said about people deciding... I'm going, to, I'm going to use that now. And, you know, I don't have numbers to prove this, but certainly it would make sense that people with that amount of money, having lived through the really shockingly unpredictable time we've just come out of, may be prompted to say, I'm not going to, what am I waiting for? And so I think it is a mindset at work and it's a product, you know, proposition. The very, very, very expensive ones are unique enough so that, that they may, you know, just the right person has to come along. Mm -hmm. but I think it's a mindset thing. Why wait? I would like to jump in on that too. I, I also think that one thing that people learned throughout the pandemic is how to enjoy themselves at home. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, people were leaving their house for entertainment, whether that was, you know, going to movies or um, plays or concerts or wherever people were going all of that was shut down. So they had to relearn how to spend time at home and enjoy themselves. And they realized maybe they needed some additional experiences to be able right. to do that. Or they were traveling. Or they were traveling. Exactly. Exactly. So stepping out of the luxury sector for a minute, what are your thoughts on the Chicagoland housing market moving into 2023? Do you have any bold predictions to share with us? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm back to, it's a very hard time to predict. <laughs> maybe they're not bold. Yeah, right? maybe they're not bold. Um, I would say, I, I would say that the market is normalizing, as we like to say, because we really can't say it's slowing down because 
really the the anomaly was 20 in 2021. So we're kind of back to the kind of numbers we saw in 2019. I think that I think 2023 is going to be pretty much stable as to where we are in 2022. I don't think we're going to go down much, but I don't think we're going to see a much increase either. I think it's just going to be a level market right now. It'd be nice to kind of get back to a more kind of normalized seasonal pattern in the market mm-hmm. too, because these last couple of years, there's just been no real seasonality. It's just been kind of go, go, go yeah. right through the last kind of 24 months. And now we're starting to see, you know, this fall anyway, the sales are slowing down as they typically would this time of year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully we get back to, you know, a strong market in the spring. And Yeah. And, and I think we're going to define, you know, when we define a strong market, what we saw in 20 and 21, the numbers were great. It was a strong market for sellers. It was a really hard market for buyers. And there's still a lot of pent up demand. A lot of people that wanted to buy homes that didn't want to get into that game because it was too hard. There were a lot of people when we were talking about property selling with, you know, 19, 20 offers not being unusual, even on the low end, three, four, five offers, all those people that lost a home did not necessarily find another home. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pent up demand. And I think we're not seeing that as strong as as we would expect we might have seen right now because of the interest rate and because of the fear of what's going on in the economy and i do think um the market tends to slow down just before midterm elections Mm -hmm. so but i think a lot of those people that wanted to buy once they feel a little bit more comfortable with what's going on and maybe adjust their expectations to the current interest rates are going to want to go out and buy again yeah i couldn't agree more i think there's a lot of demand out there still. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of everyone kind of resetting expectations now. They're, they're in, might be, some people might be in interest rate shock right now, but mm-hmm. you know, as the season goes on here and we get into the new year, I think most people will come to terms with the fact that you know things have changed a little bit. And you know, like you said, mm-hmm. um, right around the midterm elections, usually the market slows down. But then we've seen, I think, historically that right after the midterms, the market really kind of picks back up again, and mm-hmm. uh, we usually have a strong strong several months after that. So I I guess we'll see, right? Back to luxury buyers. Are we agreeing collectively that logic would say that these adjusted interest rates won't affect them as much? So perhaps we're not going to see the hesitation that we might in other price ranges. I would, I would agree with that, but I would add to that, that I think the luxury, the luxury market is not as interest rate sensitive to a specific buyer, but I do think the uncertainty of the economy that that leads to that, that's going on with the high interest rates does affect the luxury market. So I don't think they're necessarily saying, oh, gosh, I'm not going to buy because the interest rates went from five to six or, you know, four to six or whatever the number is, because I can't afford that because we know many of them are cash buyers. Many of them have a large down payment and many of them, they, even if they are getting mortgages, they're within a comfortable range. But they're saying, wait a minute, what's going on in the economy? Is this where I want to, do I want to put my money there? Do I really want to buy something bigger? So it will affect it a little bit, but not as much as I think the other markets. And then the other thing I think we shouldn't forget is that on the luxury market, it does affect the builder developers um, because when they're building on spec, it, you know, they're worried. They're very worried. They're carrying costs. It doesn't matter even if all their buyers are going to be cash buyers. They have to, they have, their, their carrying costs are higher when interest rates are higher. So I think it does affect that. If we can shift gears for a minute, Tripti, and talk about luxury marketing. So mm-hmm. Baird Warner has a great arsenal of tools available to our agents. Would you go over some, what some of your favorite tools are that we have? 
Sure. Well, I, you know, to, to get into that, I really have to talk a little bit about our partnership with um, leading, leading real estate companies of the world and Luxury Portfolio International. So, you know, here at Baird & Warner, um, we are a local company. We are in Chicago. Um, we, just, we just opened up in Florida and we're in Wisconsin and Indiana, but our base is really Chicagoland. Um, and we have a partnership with uh, leading real estate companies of the world, which is uh, 568 companies in 70 countries, all independent companies. And so we formed a partnership that enables us to take advantage of um, marketing and connections and help our clients all over the place. As part of that partnership with leading real estate companies of the world, um, 200 of those companies are part of what's called Luxury Portfolio International. And that is really a partnership that enables uh, all these independent companies to take advantage of marketing that, that markets the properties internationally. So I would say, long answer to your short question, Ian, my favorite thing about being part of the Luxury Portfolio International Network is that they have a fabulous site to market all of our luxury properties. And it's called luxuryportfolio.com. If anyone wants to take a look at it, it's a beautiful site. And it enables us, even though we have the strength of being local and hyper-local and really understanding our marketplace to be able to market all of our luxury listings throughout the world through this partnership. And um, Luxury Portfolio, that website is marketed to, um, it's not just the website, it's pushed to different places all over all over the world. So our listings get that kind of exposure. And I think that's that's fantastic. That's something people don't necessarily know about Baird & Warner because they think, oh, they're just, they're just a strong local company, but we have that international connection. Great. Thank you, Tripti. So for any of our agents who might be listening out there, whether with Baird & Warner or with another firm, what are some of the pieces of advice you might have for them if they're trying to break into the luxury market or start to you know, do more luxury business than they're, than they're already doing? What are some of your go-to sort of resources and strategies for how agents can do more business in that part of the market? Well, that's a really good question, Eric. I think I think the first thing is to not not be intimidated by it. You know, not to you know the luxury real estate market is the real estate market. It's part of the real estate market. You sell luxury real estate in many ways, in the same way that you sell traditional real estate. Um, I think you maybe a little bit of a difference is you have not a little bit. I should say a difference is um, you really have to step up your professionalism. Um, because you're working oftentimes with a different kind of clientele that is used to, they have an expectation of service and, and, and professionalism that sometimes um, you don't see um, in real estate sales and you know in other areas of the market. But if you're if you're a good strong agent, and I would I would argue all day long that all of our Beard and Warner agents have the ability to sell luxury because they're well trained, they're professional, they're experienced, they know what they're doing. So they should not be intimidated by any means. They should say, this is a market I can step into. You know, I think working the luxury market is no different than, say, for example, you, um, you know, I grew up in Addison, which most people don't know, which is not a luxury market. Um, I moved to Chicago and I had to learn the Chicago market to sell real estate. I see the luxury market very similar to a geographic market. If you're selling at a certain price point, say your average sale price is $300,000 and now you want to sell million dollar properties, treat it as if you've moved to a new neighborhood and you need to get to know that neighborhood. So you need to get to know those properties. You need to attend open houses. And that's the first thing. You have to understand your product, um, what you're helping people to buy and sell. So you have to get to know those type of homes. 
And then you need to understand the people and to get those clients. It's no different than moving to a new area and saying, how am I going to get to know people here? What you need to do is say, who are the people who own these, these properties or looking to buy these properties and how can I get to know them? And so you can do that with marketing, networking, um, meeting people, you know, just even a direct mail campaign to a luxury area can get you started in that marketplace. So um, don't be intimidated. We have all the tools. We have everything you need through our luxury living program and our pro, uh, partnership with luxury portfolio. So it can be done and don't be intimidated, but just walk the walk and talk the talk, but keep your professional game at be at the top of your game professionally, because that's, that's an expectation. Yeah. And I, I also see in this room, you know, for the agents, um, you know, such a wealth of knowledge in your managing broker. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a non-competing managing broker. And, you know, so we really are there to help and, and partner with you in wherever you want to take your business. And if that's luxury, again, the amount of information currently sitting in this room is phenomenal. Um, so that's something that, that agents can really lean on and, and know that we've kind of walked the walk, talked the talk and, 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 you know, have been in that space, um, in our own endeavors. So that's, that's something I think is unique to Baird and Warner and, and, um, something that the the agents, um, really enjoy. It's it's something that they, they can lean on. Yeah. That's a really good point, Bob. You know, you, you asked me earlier, Ian, what's, what's the favorite tool or resource that agents can use to get in an luxury market? It's the five of you. Because I think you bring up a really good point, Bob. I mean, all of our managers have years of um, some. I mean, if, if, I, if we counted up the years of real estate experience, it's, <laughs> it's pretty mind boggling. Let's not. Let's <laughs> not. Um, but but now you're all focused. None, none of you sell in this room, and your focus is solely and entirely to help your agents to become more successful. Um, whether it be the luxury market or any other market, and and you are there to guide them through um, through what they need to do and what the tools and resources are and um, to get them there. And you're right, that is unique. That's not available everywhere. And we have you to guide us. <laughs> That's how it all works. <laughs> it's a happy partnership. Yeah. Awesome. Does anybody have anything else for Tripti? That was a, an amazing amount of information today. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. It was yeah. my pleasure. Yeah, great stuff, Tripti. Thanks for coming out this morning. And um, until next time, we'll see you on North of Shy. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.